I am Captain Matthew Gillespie of the Philadelphia Police Department's Southwest Detective Division, and this is Aftermath Philadelphia. In this podcast, I host critical conversations with those involved in reducing the epidemic of gun violence in the city of Philadelphia. This podcast features candid episodes that highlight the different thoughts and perspectives while offering strategies to lower this violence. In the first episode of Season 2, I sit down with Deborah Peel, currently an international consultant for crime and policing at the Peel Group. She's a former senior crime analyst at the NYPD, including time spent as an analyst in the office of the Deputy Commissioner of the NYPD. Some of the things we sat down to discuss was her role as an analyst in the New York City Police Department, how civilian analysts fit in police culture, what data should be valued and explored, and the legendary NYPD CompStat process. The thoughts and ideas on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the thoughts and ideas of the City of Philadelphia or the Philadelphia Police Department. everyone welcome back this is the first episode of season two i'm very excited um with the nypd connection uh last episode our final episode was with an nypd sergeant today i'm with deborah peel uh an international consultant in crime and policing a former senior crime analyst correct of the nypd Uh, an analyst in the Office of the Deputy Commissioner of Operations of NYPD, and most importantly, uh, a guest on Reducing Crime, Jerry Ratcliffe, my friend's podcast. Deborah, thank you for being here to talk about analysts and intel and all that good stuff. Thanks for having me. Um, So I'm sitting at my desk and our our microphone's up on a ledge and I got the computer here, but we're making it work. Um, We are data-driven now in law enforcement, or so we say. Um, I think we're still kind of figuring it out as a profession, you know? And the number one question I wanted to ask someone like yourself that has such good experience with this, is there ever too much data? (laughs) (laughs) There there is often too much uh, bad data. Um, Usually not enough big data. So, as you mentioned, it's still so much of a challenge, and I think it's it's a lot with the technology. Um, you know, most often, and I'm speaking generally, sure. not specific to agencies, but most often people are using their you know, CAD systems simply to record calls, and their records management systems almost as word processors, you know, simply process reports, and there's so much more capacity there um, but I, I think it's, it's hard for agencies to, to see that and um, to see the data that it that is behind reports could be behind reports you know what the quality of that data is and what could be done with it you know one of the things I saw as a patrol commander was the importance of 
I'm going to use shootings as an example because it's a national issue. Um, there's a shooting, the data related to that shooting. Who was the victim? Where did it happen? Even how many rounds were fired? Um, because the importance of that helped me respond to prevent a preventative, a retaliatory shooting. But there were also times where we kind of got lost in the sauce. Like it, we got bogged down in like who the neighbor of the victim's aunt, sister's car they drove. And it was like, whoa, wait a minute. So fil filtering the data, don't you think, is just as important, really? Oh, it is, absolutely. I, I think sometimes, um, especially when you get into shootings and, and the serious stuff, um, cops and detectives and others are, are doing their best to to put together what their supervisors will, be, will view as a comprehensive report. You know, a lot of information in there, making the narrative, you know, long enough to pass muster. But that's not always, you know, the critical information. I think checklists are, a, are of great value and hardly any agencies use them. But to keep everybody focused on what is the most important stuff we need right now to get going on this because it's every shooting begets another shooting. Yeah. And um, you know, that's, that's what you really need to focus on and get that out to everybody and, and get, get started on a real good foundation. And then you can add in all of those other details as you go along, but, but you need to get to the heart of the stuff right at the beginning. You know, one of the things we're working in, and I, this is my third week, I think, in Southwest Detectives as the captain, um, I was a sergeant here, so I have a little familiarity with it, but the carjacking is in Philadelphia. And the, the pattern is that there's not necessarily a pattern. I mean, when you start digging deeper, you do see that there are groups and some connections. But one of the things data-wise that we started to look at first, I said, I want to know where the cars are being found, right? Because nobody's necessarily carjacking somebody on their block. But they're probably dropping the car off around the corner from where they live. And that was like the starting point for us. Um, and I think we're going to have some success in, in getting this under control, you know, really. But a culture question I wanted to ask you is, you know, the civilian crime analyst, you know, the police culture can be tough sometimes. Um, how is it? And working like just let's use New York, you know, obviously is a big organization. The civilian crime analyst, you have a young person that's, you know, fresh out of training or college and they come in and, and they finish the, a training course. They're very excited. They're digging into the data. And now you have a, a, a captain, Captain Gillespie, with 20 years on and I know everything and you're not going to tell me anything. How does that clash or how do we make it work better? data-driven agency I have ever experienced. Um, so there is that foundation there where from top to bottom, everybody values the data. Okay. And um, so that at least, you know, gave a foundation for um, everybody seeing some value in, in adding resources to that process. And then there's also, you know, a very comprehensive CompStat process that takes place every week. So commanders were open to, you know, anything that was going to give them some help with that. Now that said, they're never thrilled when one PP is, is more into their business. So, um, 
there was that challenge. And also, um, you know, the kickoff of the civilian analyst wasn't, you know, this, um, this really philosophical idea that more analysts were going to be helpful. Sure. It was really about, you know, how could we move some of our inside guys out to the street again. And um, so, you know, Commissioner Bratton was in the elevator with a Chief Shea, and he said, guess what? You're going to get 100 brand new civilian analysts. And Shea came into the office and said, guess what, Deb? This is, this is going to be your mission. So it wasn't like, oh boy, let's get some civilians in here. But it really went remarkably well by mostly by chance. Wow. Okay. Um, you know, we hired quickly. Uh, the pay wasn't great. So, you know, there wasn't a lot of experience level there. Um, I wanted three months to train. Shay gave me three weeks to train them. Um, it was a real, you know, scramble from everything from where we got to do this training, you know, can we get laptops, you know, all that sort of stuff. Sure. And really had to teach them what is crime, what's a robbery, what's, you know, a burglary. Um, and then um, every precinct has a crime analysis unit of a sergeant and at least one cop, maybe more in the big precincts. And the analysts were added to that, that mix. And they simply started, you know, displaying their skills in a very non-confrontational way. Sure. And just, Sarge, I know you're really, really busy, so I'm going to be over here just kind of trying to learn about this, but whatever you need. Yeah. There. And I told them, make photocopies, get coffee, do whatever you can do to just become you know, part of the team. And, um, and over time, you know, they had the mapping skills and the, the data skills that, that added to the process. So, but I think it starts with your agency really taking it seriously. And I think, like you mentioned, that's the hard part about uh, becoming more data-driven. Because, you know, cops are going from call to call to call. They just, most of the time, don't see how data is going to help them with any of that. Yeah. And mostly they're fearing, you know, longer reports or, you know, mm. something that's going to make their lives more difficult. And I think if you can, you know, show them how it can really make their lives easier, um, you know, identify patterns, um, put stuff together for them, identify associates in violent crime, um, that goes a long way. So um, it took some time, you know, for all of us to kind of get settled in. I didn't have a lot of experience in NYPD when I first started. And, uh, you know, just understanding how the whole process worked took a little time. But they value analysis from top to bottom. So that's that's a big... I, I think yeah. in my three and a half years now as a captain, I have seen once the infrastructure is there with the analysts um, and there's buy-in and like the supervisors, the commanders are like using it and taking the input, it really, really can work. I mean, it really can work. It makes, there are young officers um, that want this information. They want the info, they wanna do it, they wanna learn about the district and it's just getting that buy-in. My next question is, you know, what should a good analyst consider? What should the analyst consider as their priority? Should that be based off of what the captain is, the mission statement of the department? What are they pulling and looking at? And I know that is a big question because there's so much to deal with. Well, you know, at, at NYPD, it's pretty easy because there's the structure of ComSat in place. 
So the goal was that the analysts would help raise the bar for the discussions in HOMSA. Um, and, and that really happened. But of course, most agencies don't, don't have that sort of structure. Um, my perspective has, has always been that um, you know, analysts need to really have an understanding of, of crime. You know, what is crime? What, what contributes to crime? What is the crime triangle? What, what am I looking for? And just start with at least looking at those those part one crimes and, and looking for commonalities and looking for hotspots and, and um, absolutely looking for patterns. Um, NYPD is obsessed with patterns, which is only when you believe it's the same suspect or group of suspects that are committing the crimes. That's, that's the only thing that defines a pattern. And um, so initially, the analysts get started, they think everything's a pattern, you know, there's so much going on. Yeah. But eventually they learn that. And having that, you know, structure in place helps them to start think about, you know, what, why is there this pattern? What's in the environment that is contributing to this? Sure. Um, what's the MO going on here? And, and I think um, it's also critical that analysts simply provide to commanders and others about what's up and what's down. You know, it's such a simple concept, but that helps to set operational priorities and, and also reveals success. Yeah, I mean... You know, my goal as an analyst is to find those opportunities for success for the guys on the street. And, and they will buy into that if you can show it to them. One of the things I would task my analysts with would be show me what's not going on, right? So, sure. you know, staffing issues are part of police issues around the country. So show me that crime has declined in a certain area. Show me that somebody has been arrested and, and even sentenced to a long period of incarceration where we don't have to, they were, they're not out on the street. And, and that would then help me redeploy some of the cops that to other areas. Um, and we would just try to work smarter, you know, and the analysts really helped us with those. Um, I like what you said about the analyst playing a role in CompSat. That was something that New York really valued and did? Well, not in the way that many agencies do it. The analysts were not actually, you know, in the room. They weren't oh. contributing to CompSat. Oh. They were preparing the commanders for CompSat. Gotcha. Now, every week, depending on who was up, the analysts would come down to 1PP and, and watch CompSat live. Um, everybody in, in every precinct everywhere can can watch it every week. It's broadcast live. Wow. Um, wow. But they would be, you know, in the room where we would be talking about, you know, a debrief afterwards, like, were any of the questions a surprise? Were you aware of these things? You know, did you make your commander aware of these things? You know, what What do you think about what happened today? Um, so, but, but their mission each week was very, very focused on how to better prepare uh, my commander for for comp stuff. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, the other thing that, that a lot of people don't realize is, you know, there is the comp stat meeting every week, but there's hundreds of other stat meetings going on. You know, there's traffic stat is every week. Um, we have meetings for meetings sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so every analyst is, is one way or another preparing for comp stat and whatever other stat they're, they're focused on that week. And then they get to spend, you know, maybe Thursdays and Fridays looking at intel. 
you know, trying to figure out who might be driving those patterns. And it comes back to what you said, you know, who's in and who's out. And when you start to see uh, a spike in something, maybe it's because somebody just got out. Yeah, yeah. And that's hard stuff to keep track of. Court data is really messy. I'll tell you what, the the analyst in the 18th district, um, he tracked, we had an issue with firearms arrests here and the proceedings in court and stuff. He tracked over three years the every single firearms arrest, where it happened, when it happened, what the bail was, did it get redu- reduced, every step of the court process, what they were sentenced to. And, and in real time, I could find out every single illegal firearm arrest in the 18th district where that person was in custody out on probation gps monitoring i mean it it was it it i have trend setting honestly and it made us more efficient when dealing with violent crime and directly connected to the the small wins we had with those with those issues and he's um I'm going to make him listen to this episode. So, Eric, great job. That is really, really important stuff that I think um, a lot of agencies just, uh, you know, haven't thought of or, or um, I, yeah, I, there's not enough of that. There's not enough quality case review that goes on between the DA's office and the police department so that they can say, you know, this is what we think is weak in this case. This is what we think are good. Uh you know, could you get me this? Could you get me that? Um, NYPD does a really comprehensive process with that. And I think that prevents a lot of stuff we see in some other large departments where there's all that, you know, bickering going on and cases are dropped and stuff doesn't go forward. You, know, you got to build better cases. Yeah. I mean, we do actually today at 2.30, we do a uh, firearms review case with the district attorney's office. So it's all the detective division captains and the district attorney's office. And we go. Now that's huge. We go over the case, and it makes it just really airtight. And they can say to us, hey, listen, we need video It's from here. Did we get the phone dumps yet? Did the DNA get back? Nobody was interviewed. So it's, it's, like, a, it's like a case prep on the management level. Um, and I agree with it. I think it's good. I mean, I, I, I really think it's the way to go. I would like to expand it even to the carjackings, right? So, yeah, I was just going to say really expanded to even property crimes. Yeah, Just, yeah. You know, figure out what, what's what's going on. You know, why are so many dismissed at arraignment? You know, what, what's... You know, we, we talked about... So we do the CompStat... I've been, always been, like, fascinated and interested with New York NYPD CompStat because I was... I remember I stood at my first CompStat meeting as a captain here in Philadelphia going, oh, I read all these books about CompStat. Now here I am. You know, yeah, um, yeah, I felt that way too. And I was like, "This is pretty cool." I'll be honest; I thought it was pretty cool. So, in Jerry's podcast, you talked about NYPD Comstat. That is not there's not a surprise. You're coming down to know what yeah. you're talking about. Can you talk about that a little bit? And like, sure. So again, it, it's very very structured, and I don't know that what NYPD does can really be replicated because it's. It's now over 27 years in the making, and it's stayed evolving but consistent over those 27 years. There's been different police commissioners. They, nobody ever thought of not doing it, you know. And um, 
So, and it's not like it's portrayed on TV. There's no screaming and yelling and swearing. Uh, but it's a very intense three-hour meeting every week. And um, every Monday by noontime, the, the borough and the precincts that are going to be up are notified. And usually, you know, you have a sense because either you haven't been up in a while or stuff is going bad. And if stuff is going bad, you might be up, you know, two weeks in a row. Um, but they're told by Monday at noon, and then they have until Thursday morning to prepare. Um, and they're also told the cases that are going to be reviewed. Now, everything is fair game. The chiefs decide what they want to talk about. But the, the primary cases, usually shootings and, you know, maybe robberies or something, depending on, you know, what, what's going on. Um, those are those are reviewed. They're told which cases they're going to look at. And primarily, CONSA is not about the numbers so much. It's a little bit about the numbers, but it's mostly about what wasn't done that should have been done. So there's a whole team of analysts and detectives that are digging into all of those cases to see, you know, were there associates that were not identified? Yeah. Uh, were there LPR hits? Were there, you know, what, why hasn't a warrant been issued for this one or that one? Um, you know, whatever could have, should have, would have been done that wasn't done. And, and that sometimes creates a scramble between Monday and, and Thursday. But, but that's good. At least, at least stuff gets done. Yeah. And, um, and it's very, it's very structured. You know, everybody has to show up on time. Uh, you got to be dressed accordingly. It's, it's not conversational. Um, and I, I, you know, I think a lot of even large agencies try to do a kinder, gentler, you know, comp step. But I, I think it, it's going to be, you know, what it is where everybody still after all this time feels a level of intensity about it. And um, it goes for almost exactly three hours, a little break in the middle. Um, and it continues on week, week after week after week. And I think the big, big piece, and, and Commissioner Shea was a, a master at this when he was in crime control, is his preparation was intense as anybody else's. Mm -hmm. He got a lot of publicity about sleeping in his office and, and that sort of stuff. But... In smaller agencies, usually when analysts are presenting, often the, the chief or the commanders are hearing the information at the same time as the, the people they're supervising. Mm -hmm. And that just never works. It's not a presentation. Yeah. It's a, it's a, a review. You know, and so I'm always encouraging analysts to try to get their material to their chiefs ahead of time. Mm -hmm. That's why I don't like analysts running ComStat, because none of, the, none of the people they're speaking to are accountable to them. They... Yeah. No, you're they, right. Absolutely. There's not a level of intensity there. They can prepare the material and prepare the people there, but not not be the ones that others are answering to. You know, you, you brought up a, a point, a, a question just popped in my head as we kind of close this, close this up. You know, the analysts, they're looking at data. Some of the data is facts. Some of it could just be, you know, intel, right? How much or how important is it for an analyst to keep their opinion in or out of the products that they make? And that. Yeah, I think it, um, you know, again, it's good to give them some structure and expectations. You know, what, what do we want you to produce every week? And I don't think, you know, the NYPD analysts really have any idea how hard they work. Mm -hmm. They do a lot because they, 
but that structure, you know, really focuses them on what they have to get accomplished. And then, you know, I, I think it matters their level of experience. Sure. You know, as you get, when you first start, you got to be very humble about it. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, it's such a different environment in a police department. It's, it's not for everybody. Yeah, it can be tough. And, it can. Uh, and it's hard to be a civilian. It, it sure. is. You know. Even when you're treated well, it's, you know, there's differences there. But, um, you know, the better you get at what you do, the quicker you can do it, the more respect you gain, the more interest people have in, in your opinion. And so it's it's got to evolve over time. But the agency agencies have to, have to commit to it and have to have enough of them to make it a difference. And and stress that, you know, this is this is how it's going to be now and not rely so much on, you know, occasional individuals that maybe decide that, that data analysis is valuable. You, you gotta yeah, I mean, one of the things... One of the things that works for us, or at least I think thought it did, or think think it does, the analyst, at least out here in West Southwest Philly, there's four districts. Um, they all are police officers who then are at, became analysts. So you do have a little bit of that buy-in already. You know, these are cops that actually did work the street. They yeah. know the areas. They made the arrests. They're looking into the background of some of the people that they already arrested, um, and just the natural thing of working with a group of men and women for several years you already know them so so that say honestly like the the lack of hiring a civilian analyst at this point really i think has helped a little bit of course we would want we can always use more people um but those relationships really helped and um i just i never had any experience with an analyst before i became a captain i didn't really know what it was i'm going to be honest um, the person that we picked didn't have any training. He, he just was into digging deeper, got the training from our real-time crime center and really made it his own. And I'm a, I'm a believer. I mean, I talk with Jerry Ratcliffe a lot about this. It's, it's needed. It's a position just as needed as like the sergeant or the lieutenant or the captain in, in a hierarchy is needed. Yeah. You know? I, I think it's growing slowly. It's still a funny profession. Know, agencies know they should have one, maybe, but aren't entirely sure what to do with them, and, and don't always, you know, provide them with the resources and access that they need. But you know, slowly at a snail's pace, it's evolving a little more. Sure. And um, that's a good thing, I think. It's, it's so, better. lastly, um, Commissioner Bratton gets a lot of press, as he should, with the successes both times with the NYPD. Um, but Commissioner Shea was somebody from sitting here in Philadelphia stood out to me as like a, a very good leader in tune with the department in the city, led the city and the department um, during a really difficult time. And I, di- I just wanted to get your your thoughts on on him and his style, um, because I just really thought he did a good job in an extremely difficult time. I think um Brilliant cop, brilliant in that mix of street experience, primarily in the Bronx, and um, but also understanding data and analysis and really valuing it, and um, and his commitment to to preparation and I mean he 
he no offense to anybody else since, but but he ran an an excellent comp staff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think he um, you know came into some incredible times as commissioner um, with so much to deal with, you know, with with COVID and riots and and so much going on all at once a perfect storm that that um, well let me say this if I were mayor I would have done what I could to, to keep him on because if you want the city to be safer he's he's the guy I think gotcha um, you know not easy to work with but uh, but a good guy um, and just one of the most brilliant minds cool in policing that I've, I've ever met and I think um, he really served Commissioner Bratton very well, um, ran an incredible concept, kept things in line, and their murders were at the lowest rate, below 300 a year Wow! Um, during that time. And I think it had a lot to do with his focus on, again, what, what wasn't done that should have been done and keeping everybody on their toes. So I hope, um, wish the best to the new commissioner and that um, she's able to bring some of that back because I think that's, that's very critical. Yeah, I mean, he seemed like a master pre- preparer, if that makes sense. Yes, you know? really. I mean, that sleeping in his office stuff was, was true. I mean, we had in the office our own ComStat going on leading up to ComStat because you would prepare analysis and, you know, present it to him, hoping he would use it. But he would judge, you know, whether he thought it was valuable or not. And um, and then, then go with it. And the questions never stopped even up to, you know, 10 minutes before ComStat would start on Thursdays, you know, get me this. And what about that? And did we think about this? And, um, it's, it's just an amazing, amazing process and an incredible man to work with learn from. Well, I, um, I was supposed to go see NYPD ComStat in September. It just didn't work out. I hope to get up there at some point, but, um, it's worth it. It really, you know, really to see their ComStat, to be involved in our ComStat, I just see the value of the analyst and a good analyst, one that cares, and many, most do, I know here in Philadelphia, um, and see the work that they do and how it affects crime. And like I tell my cops and now detectives, like we're dealing with people on their worst days ever. So they, yes. are, they are numbers, but it does, there's a human connection. And it's hard work. It's hard work. And I just really value the analysts, the work that you have done. Um, and, you know, I hope that departments across the country really embrace it even more um, and make it a, a, a position that's the pay is comparable to the work and the yeah. position, the position is given the, the, the oomph that it deserves. So, oh, thank you. you know, Deborah, I want to th- we're all hoping for, and I think, you know, it's crazy times we're in, but I think there there are some simple things we can do better, mm-hmm. and um, a lot of it has to do with data and analysis. I think, and, and best preparing our cops to go out there and do what what they have to do during these crazy times. Well, Deborah, I really want to thank you again. Um, now, an international consultant in crime and policing, a, a former senior crime analysis in the NYPD. Um, I would love to pick your brain at some point again. I'm sure I will. And I will tell uh, Jerry Ratcliffe that you said hello, I think. <laughs> That's okay. And thank you so much for taking the time to do this with me.